journalist, not a terrorist. Stick up for the First Amendment. I know what's right. Get out and vote. The First Amendment type. Don't let nobody vote for you. With the Lafayette Square. Yeah. First Amendment. Cause Trump don't care. November vote blue. Get the kids out of the cages. Get out and vote. And increase our wages. Come on now. We're back with Inherent America. We have a very special guest, Francisco Ramos. You've seen him on Last Comic Standing, and he's currently on Hentified on Netflix. A great friend, great comic, ladies and gentlemen, Francisco Ramos. Years ago, it's like, I love the fact that you were like, this is my accent. This is just who I am. You know, a lot of times Latinos come from other parts of the world, and they come back, it's like, they're in these accent reduction classes. But you and your comedy have actually played with it and used it. What's funny is that I, uh, it's one of those things that I did, I was before kind of embarrassed. Mm-hmm. of having an accent. When I first moved to the U.S., I learned English by myself, basically, because my mom put me in like a little private school that had like one teacher per grade. So I had to learn by myself. And I learned English just in four or five months. I learned it on by myself. And then the next school semester, I... um I started, you know, speaking English and I thought I was like, oh, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm an, I'm an American. And then I heard myself. We did this uh, play and they taped it and I heard myself talking and I was like, oh, my God, I have a huge accent. What yeah. is it? I'm the so se- ever since yeah. I was like seventh grade, I was like very embarrassed by it. It's same thing happened to me, but it was my looks. I would always imagine I was a male model. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I saw myself in my high school photo, the first time I ever saw myself. And I said, wow, I thought I was a male model, but apparently not. So I I feel for you. (laughs) English is a very hard language. Because the thing about English is that you guys got words with letters that are silent. Like they're there, but you don't mention them. (laughs) Like the word salmon. Why is there an L in there? I just have to pretend that it's not there. No, but I see the app. Oh, he's silent. Then get it out of there. Give it to Lollipop. I think to me that's how they should test people in immigration to see if they're American or not. Like at the border, like, sir, please pronounce this word. Salmon. We're gonna have to deport you, sir. There's an L in there. <laughs> you have to pretend it's not there. That's the American way, Sam. So, you know, I, I just talked to a lawyer, uh, David Pierce, and he said, he goes, Francisco Ramos, best-looking guy in comedy. Which, I got to tell you, in comedy, it's not that difficult. Uh, it's like, but, but still, you're a good-looking yeah, guy. Why, for me, I was always surprised when people go like, yeah, I mean, but I'm not like a model. I mean, I go to, I've gone to auditions where, like, the guys are all models, and I'm like, and I'm like oh, they, I, this is not for me. And these guys are all, I went to a Gillette commercial uh-huh. audition once, and these guys are all have, like, six-pack. I'm like, I don't have a Gillette body. I have a CVS brand body. Yeah, you, know? you have like, a generic body. See, I have a one pack. Yeah, one pack. I have a 12 pack, which is, is weird. Uh, <laughs> and it's just flows over each other. Yeah, it, it's different. I, I think the whole thing of beauty in our industry is so 
amazing to watch. He came through the telenovela world, and like a lot of Latinos, they want to cross over. And I think what's great about you is you've maintained who you are, and now the roles are actually coming to you and fitting mm-hmm. you. Because before, it's like, who'd we have? We we had the Latino like Ricardo Montalban, and we had Desi Arnaz, yeah. and those kind of guys. And then we started to get back to the, the reality of who we are, and then we went the other direction. It was Scarface time. Look at the pelicans. Now, stories written and created by Latinos that fit Latinos. That's yeah. that's what I'm seeing that you're doing. Your stand-up's great. You talk about your life in such a good way. For me, I you know, I came to the U.S. when I was like 11, 12. I didn't fully grow up in Venezuela in terms of like older. Yeah. So I grew up mostly in the U.S. So my parents were very, you know, Venezuelan in terms of like within, you know, we kept speaking Spanish. I was used to go back during the summers back to Venezuela. So I always kept that, you know, and my friends from Venezuela, I always kept that. But I also grew up with a with the American culture and with the comedic American culture, which is also what I like a lot. And that's why my stand-up, as you mentioned before, I kind of like, I do what I like to do because of who I am, not because I'm trying to be Latino yeah. or I'm trying to be this. It's like, it's just me. And hey, by the way, yeah, I'm from Venezuela and I have an accent when I speak English. But besides that, I like being funny just on the universal aspects of, of comedy that I like to do. I am trying to sound more American too. I want to have an American accent. <laughs> That's why I'm taking an American accent class. In the class, they tell me that I have to enunciate every word. And the other day, I got pulled over by a cop. So I was like, all right, I'm going to use my American accent. So I'm sitting in my car, and the cop goes over to my window, and I'm like, hello, officer. And what seems to be the problem? (laughs) The cop was like, your voice. Why are you talking like that? I'm talking like any American citizen. It's like, do you have anything in the trunk? Not immigrants. <laughs> Start out of salmon. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I think when you're universal, you actually, you know, you're specific, but it becomes universal. You know, that you're talking about your experience yeah. and it becomes universal because a lot of people relate no matter where you're from. And that's what I, I really like about your comedy. You talk about everything from Latinos that speak Spanish but act like they don't speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talk about stuff. I forget how you say the joke. It was so true. It's like you're looking at the Latino world. You're seeing the differences, but who you are makes it universal. And you're going through living in both worlds. That's yeah, what Yeah, I think the fact that I grew up in like I said when I came here young but I also kept my uh, Venezuelan culture I I know how to in a way and also I grew up when I grew up in in, I grew up in Maryland Washington DC area and all my friends growing up in high school and then college were Latinos that were from everywhere like from South America and Mexico so like I got to also learn how how Latinos how we're very more similar than people think Because I realized, oh, I can make my friends from Ecuador, from Mexico, from Brazil laugh at the same jokes. And and they also have the same kind of parents and the same kind of grandparents and the same kind of... So I realized, oh, we're very similar so i and then but then also i had american friends which i also got along well and knew how to make them laugh and i would love to be able to do that especially for the latinos you know as like you mentioned before that about bringing our stories that and also the stories that you said that are universal but detailed and i love to do that i love to get to that point well i would love you to get to that point and then help me out so that's what i'm hoping but yeah no <laughs> i i think that's great that's what i want to do too i mean latino logs has hired so many latinos And I love to put the spotlight on other talent because no one wants to be the only Latino. It's never about that. You want to include people. And also, the more you help, 
uh, the more it's going to help you. Yeah. I would just help people just to help. You want to think business sense? It's going to benefit you. You know, you're getting great PR because somebody's going to be like, oh, how'd you do this? Well, you know, like even what just happened right now with Chadwick Boseman, yeah. that he mentioned that he got his scholarship to Oxford for acting because somebody paid for it. And then he realized years later that it was Denzel Washington yeah. who paid for it. It was Denzel Washington, you yeah. Know, to me, that's awesome. If it wasn't for Denzel, Black Panther would have not have existed. Exactly. Know? And Denzel's son is just, you know, blowing up and taking off too. And I think it is, yeah. is the more you help one another. I mean, look, I'm don't mean to get all spiritual and Latino right now, but isn't the greatest commandment to love one let, another? Let me pray. I'm going to light a candle. Light a candle. <laughs> Do not sacrifice a chicken. We're not going to go there. But yeah, I think it is. I've been calling people up to be on Inherent America. I got to tell you, everyone says yes. It's like amazing to me. Like people are like, no, I want to do it. And I think the pandemic in some ways has made us look at one another and realize the world's a lot smaller, but also realize mm -hmm. we're better together than apart. And that's, yep. I, I need to put some really new age music underneath that. But I think that's, <laughs> that's what we got to do. Well, listen, you're going to be with me on, on Latino Thoughtmakers up yes. in Kenyatta. Can't wait. I got to tell you, Francisco, I'm proud of your work because your work represents all of us. You just keep doing what you're doing. It's great work. You're a thank great you. guy. And I do want to thank you also for all your help. I mean, because you've helped me with my career just by giving me a chance. Sometimes that's all we need. You know what I mean? I think that's what everybody just wants. It's just to get a chance to be able to do whatever they want yeah. to do. Perform, you know, sing, act, whatever. And you did that with the CBS Diversity mm -hmm. and same with your Latino logs and just give me the platform as well to be able to share my experience with other people and with your audience so I appreciate that because thank you. Uh, you you've helped me also uh, get to where I am well I want to keep helping you and I know you're always going to want to keep helping me because I've always recognized talent and you have talent you truly do and there's a joy when you perform and I love it and I think audiences do too continued success so thanks for coming on Inherent America thanks Francisco thank you very much appreciate it You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. There's no border we won't cross to bring you the news. Nahara in America, stay tuned. Something new is always happening. And now for a little news. Here's the news today. Trump said something really ridiculous. Five states now are making up more than 40% of the national COVID-19 tally, so... Basically, COVID-19 is a lot like the Electoral College, where irresponsible people in five states determine the fate of everyone else. At the time of this recording, the United States surpassed 5 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 with a COVID death rate of around 3%, which is the same chance the country has of surviving if President Trump is re-elected. That high? And that was just a little news. Welcome to Nehara in America. Our next guest is Daniel Rodriguez. He's a tenor from New York City. You may know him as a singing policeman for his work after the 9-11 terrorist attack. He's best known for singing God Bless America. And I say, God bless Daniel Rodriguez. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh you missed your calling, brother. That's a great voice. <laughs> oh, you, you, you flatter me. Flatter me, Daniel Rodriguez. You're, you know, your story is an amazing story. I mean, you were at 9-11 at ground zero. A few times that day, you thought you might lose your life. I don't mean to be so serious so quickly, but you also stayed to help clean up. I heard your story. I know it's September, and this is the anniversary of 9-11. And because of COVID, you won't even be able to go back to New York, which is really tragic. But you've had an amazing... Amazing life, amazing life, and been on so many. Well, shows. I gotta say, I have been blessed. You know, I have been blessed um, from the very beginning. You know, from childhood, I've been blessed. When I survived 9/11, and my 
calling was always music. So even when I deviated from the course, uh, became a cop, I became the singing cop. So, you know, music always called me back to where I needed to be and always put me on that, you know, straight and narrow. But it's been a, an amazing ride. And the people that I've been able to touch, the places that I've been able to go, the things that I've been able to do have been well beyond anything that I could have imagined when I was a little boy saying, you know, I want to be a singer. I became much more than that and really, really blessed. That's all I, you know, that's the word that describes it all. I wanted to be a mariachi, but I'm too thin, so I lost out. But uh, you've been on shows like The Today Show, Early Show, Larry King Live, Late Show, David Letterman, Opera Winfrey Show. I mean, you've, you've been in a lot, and you're Puerto Rican, you know, which is... Yeah, yeah, Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah, Puerto Rican with all, all that comes with being Puerto Rican. I am puro, puro, puro Puerto Puro Puerto Rico. Yeah, because I got to tell you, uh, Puerto Ricans, you got a thing called bacalito, bacalao, bacalito. <laughs> It's salted dried cod. A little pitorro, a little yeah. pitorro, a little bacalaito. Oh, bacalaito. You know, it's salted dried codfish, deep fried in batter. It's heart attack on a stick. I mean, I've been to Puerto Rico many yes. times. No offense, but you guys fry everything. I saw a Puerto Rican fry a salad one time. This is, like, amazing. <laughs> So. But you know what? The funny thing about it is that, yeah, all of that is true. And yet my grandmother, my great-grandmother was 106. Mm-hmm. My great-aunt was 104. Oh. I mean, yeah. That's a long time. I know. I Isn't that amazing? something to be said about bacon being the key to longevity. Well, I think bacon is the key to longevity because it seems like every time you hear these people living 105, they're like, they're drinking, they're smoking, having bacon. <laughs> they're like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the nitrates in there and all the process that keeps them alive. But, you know, I've, I've had some well, relatives you know, I think too. When yeah. they say the stress is the number one killer, when you're drinking and smoking, there's no room for stress. Yeah. When you're hanging out and just having a good time and enjoying life and just living life, then there's no room for stress. So maybe, you know, you eliminate the number one killer and you last a lot longer. Well, I mean, isn't that the truth? Because I think the average age of Latinos Mexicans, at least in California, something like 80.9 years. And we got high diabetes yeah. and all sorts of things that would normally kill anyone. But for us, it's like, you know, it doesn't seem to do it. It's because our family structure is so strong, you know. It's the family structure. And it's funny because my father, my father's going to be, my mother's going to be 80 this year. My father's going to be 80 next year. And um, I, I took my father to doctor once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, it was maybe 10 years ago. He was a young man. And my father's 80 and he's always going to be a young 80. Mm-hmm. He's a, uh, you know, basilong, you know, he's a, yeah. a chaladang in the in the Spanish phrase. And he's filling out the paperwork and it says, you know, when you go down the list of things that you may have had, like heart disease mm-hmm. and diabetes, and I'm, I'm sitting next to him and he goes, I got it, I got it, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I put in for it. <laughs> he's waiting for it. I put in for cancer, they first, they're backed up. I haven't got it yet. I don't know what happened. Yeah, if I haven't got it yet, it's coming soon. Yeah. No, I went to Puerto Rico and I've been able to go there and I, I wrote a, a movie called Nothing Like the Holidays. It was about a Puerto Rican family. And I got to tell you, they have a thing called a a paranda. I don't need to tell you that, of course. But oh yeah, traveling from house to house, singing songs, doing that. You know, singing is pretty much the whole thing about Puerto Rico. Puerto Ricans love to sing. No, it's musical. It's absolutely musical. Have you done salsa? I recorded an album called Por Ti Volare. Mm-hmm. For you, I will, I will fly. Yeah. Um, it was my first Latin album, and it was salsa, but fania salsa, not like not, not like reggaeton or, mm-hmm. or bachata. It was like real classic salsa, almost bolero, like it, it's a ballad. No, there's Bolero, but I recorded it in Miami, and most of my musicians came from Puerto Rico. But yeah. no, it's that side. It's danceable. It was more the classic stuff that our parents grew up with. So I recorded, you know, the Andrea Bocelli song, Time to Say Goodbye.
Goodbye o oh, yeah. Porti Volar, um, mm -hmm. Conte Partido. Yeah. Para, porti, volar. And so I did it with the Latin beat, so it's para, ra, 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 bari, ra, ra, para, ra, ra. and I've got horn sections, and I've got all of that, and you know, it's salsa, it's Latin, it's total Latin soul, but when I recorded it, there was already the movement of bachata, and there was mm -hmm. already the movement of this other music that, you know, didn't speak to me because I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm boricua, I'm, I'm salsero. Yeah. So, so I sang what I knew, and I sang what I loved, and um, I think the highlight of the whole album was that me and my father did mi viejo San Juan, oh, and San Juan. I got to record my old man in the studio <clears throat> singing mi viejo San Juan, and mm -hmm. it's that one little piece of music in that album is something that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's the reality, that's the truth, that's all that stuff. I mean, there's yeah. so many sounds that are authentic. I mean, you went from a singer, and I'm sure, you know, in love with great singers like Mario Lanza and all that stuff from the Italian tenors, because you're a tenor. Oh, absolutely. Well, I studied I studied with Domingo for two years, studied with, Ma, with the Placido yeah. in uh, 2002, 2003. I got to beef with Placido, which was one of the greatest, you know, I mean, him, Carreras, and Pavarotti, of course. Yeah. All of them being legendary, but Pavarotti, it, it would be Pavarotti, Domingo, and Carreras. Mm -hmm. I got to spend time with him and understand what it was to have that sense of greatness in the world of opera. You grew up on opera. I mean, that's what impressed you. This thing for me is opera is incredible. I, I know it's uh, that song Nessun Dorma from... Uh, Nessun Dorma, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. That kind of... <laughs> from uh, Turandot. No Turin. One Sleeps is the yeah. Nessun Dorma. No One Sleeps. And I and before you came on the show, I, I was in my office at home and, and I started singing your, your work. I was like, Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes. And I was singing it. <laughs> And my kid comes in, Julian comes in and goes, you okay? Are you okay? So I, I don't know how bad my singing was, but he came in and going, are you okay, Dad? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I was just singing a lot. I got to tell you a funny story that when I hit the main stage, mm -hmm. when I went studying music and, and learning music and doing music to, you know, being in front of Yankee Stadium, in front of the, the, the 2002 Winter Olympics and all of that, um, I recorded my first album. And one of the songs I recorded mm -hmm. on my first album was called The Spirit of America was Danny Boy. Yeah, I heard it. Um, after 9-11, there was something at Yankee Stadium. It was a service, mm -hmm. Prayer for America. It was called Prayer yeah. for America. It was a service of all the religious leaders. And Oprah was the host. And um, James Earl Jones. Jones uh, said a poem, uh, Placido Domingo sang, uh, Middle did Wind Beneath My Wings, Mayor Koch wow. was there. I mean, it was huge. And I sang God Bless America. I think it was God Bless America, the national anthem. And Ronan Tymon, who is the Irish tenor, he's one of the Irish tenors. He's, you know, he was he was singing for the Yankees the same time I was. Just before that performance, the night before, we went to Yankee Stadium to kind of walk the walk the trail there. Yeah. And I saw Ronan. And when I recorded, we, we became really good friends. When I recorded Danny Boy, he called me and said, hey, Puerto Rican, why are you recording Danny Boy? I says, I'm going to record Granada on my next album to get back at you. The full Irish. <laughs> Broke. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, no, I, I heard you, Danny yeah. Boy. It was, it was beautiful. I love music. I'm in awe of, of singers because, you know, it's something I don't do. I mean, I started off, you know, wanting to be a singer, but I knew I didn't have a voice. But it's the dedication you must put into this, the constant rehearsal and, and getting it right. Well, it connects to your soul. I mean, mm -hmm. so let's say out of all the forms of communication, the form of communication that's more universal is music because with music, I don't have to know your language. I don't have to know your culture. I don't have to know anything about you and I can hear
hear you singing a song passionately and I can sense what you're saying. I can feel what you're saying. So music is the universal connector. And so when we speak to the world, if we speak to the world through music, then everyone will understand. And, you know, we're in a world today where we need something that's going to penetrate the minds of, you know, of what's happening in the world. We need something that's going to penetrate all of the hate and all of the division. And, and I think music is the key. Mm-hmm. Being a musician, I guess that's what I'm going to say anyway. But I've seen it change lives. I've seen, you know, I've seen one song um, change the course of a person's life just because mm-hmm. it reminded them of something else. I've been in retirement homes and I've sung a song and I've, I've seen someone who's who hasn't spoken or hasn't communicated for years suddenly start singing something because that part of their brain remembers what that was. That part of their brain just woke up and heard the sound that brought them back to life, you know. And yeah. so I, I, I can't say enough about the power of, of music and the power of connecting the world through music. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. We won't social distance you from the news you need. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, they say with music, it's like the emotion is so high that you can no longer talk, you have to sing. So it's taking mm-hmm. it to a, a bigger level. And, and that's that's beautiful to, you know, use your body, everything, to belt out a note. And you've played in these places, you know, yeah. all these beautiful halls. You just came back from New Zealand when you were singing. Yeah, New Zealand is was absolutely wonderful. But yeah, it's it's great, you know, and, and I feel, again, being blessed to be able to, to do things like that in my life, you know, just because I was given a gift. Yeah. You know, God gave, me the, God gave me the gift to be able to, to interpret a song, to be able to use my voice and it would touch people, you know, and I've been using that and I've been trying to do the best I can with that, but, you know, not to say that I'm, not to say that I'm going to be canonized anytime soon. No. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still a man yeah. and I'm still, and I still have to deal with COVID and I still have to deal with, you know, everything else that we all have to deal with. But wouldn't it be great if with all the, that we go through every day, mm-hmm. with all the things that we go through in our lives, wouldn't it be great if just a moment in that time we can listen to a song or we can sing a song, those of us who can, and we'll have that and we can just for a moment be taken away from the difficulties and maybe reset mm-hmm. so we can handle what's going on you know and, and from a different angle so we mm-hmm. can look at what's going on from a different angle well i think this is what we're dealing with right now with the covid and all this is it it is a reset for all of us you know it's just a unique thing and i think that's what we've missed all the most of it is connection and somehow we need human connection we are not good when it comes to quarantine yeah yeah, we're not we're not solitary animals. No, we're packed. No, we're packed. We're herd. All those things. I mean, in my case herd because yeah, I'm a little yeah. heavier. But uh, pack. You know, if I was more aggressive and, and more wolf like, but uh, definitely herd on my side. But you went through some horrible things and developed PTSD from your experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, PTSD comes from you know most people who have had some trauma in our lives, and it's hard for many of us to avoid trauma in our lives. But I've had several levels of trauma. You know, when I was eight years old, I was on fire from my waist up and I spent three weeks in the burned ICU in Kings County in Brooklyn and that was the beginning of trauma from eight years old and then you know then life continues to throw things at you and and then there was 9-11 where I you know witnessed the towers collapse in front of me and and lost many many friends and 
Mm-hmm. And then um, I was talking to you earlier about 2016, you know, um, I had a brain surgery based on the 9-11 stuff that I breathed in. And mm-hmm. so I've had to deal with all of that. And I'm sure there's so many people out there, so many of my friends um, from 9-11 who are dealing with PTSD. And yeah. funny enough, PTSD doesn't always hit you all at once. Like guys that come back from war, guys that come back from, from Afghanistan. I, I was I was actually in Afghanistan. I was in Kandahar and I was in Bagram mm-hmm. uh, and training the troops. And I got to, I got to see firsthand what it's like for uh you know uh, uh, an ied to come out yeah um it came you know came over the fence when we were there um so but it doesn't always trigger right away mm-hmm. it's something that you know something that could lie dormant and you can be fine and then something happens and all of a sudden uh, my wife says that when they when i had my brain surgery in 2016 and when i had the surgery that encompassed my brain that she said you know the, the man that went into the surgery was not the man that came out it seems that when they opened you up they opened up a whole can of worms of stuff that was in there you know um, psychologically mm-hmm. and i came out a whole different person i came out you know uh, someone who was in need of counseling and need of help and I had to get back to where i am today because i wasn't triggered yeah. right after 9-11 it was after 9-11 i was singing for funerals i sang for over 100 funerals so i, I was i was working i was doing what yeah. i needed to do but here it is 2016 you know 15 years later and and you know there's no one around to say, hey, you know, I understand what you're going through. And I had my brain surgeries too, so I, I know I had PTSD from my accident. And it's just a traumatic event that happens, and we all heal differently. And, and sometimes it comes out and something triggers. There's all these different things. It's amazing how strong we are. It's also amazing how weak we are, and that's why we need each other. You're out there yeah. singing all the time, and I think that has got to be the most healing thing in the world. Don't you feel it? I've gotten so many letters, and, you know, over my career, I've gotten so many letters, and so many people called me and saying that this song or that song or this album or that you know has helped me or you know I, I don't know how many times my wife and I laugh and I say like I sang for another three funerals today and she goes what are you talking about well people call me you know because their their, their parents or their or their you know, their friends followed mm-hmm. me through my career and and at, at their funeral they had my music playing and so you know it, it makes me feel good and it, it really helps to center me mm-hmm. uh, to know that I'm no more than I am but my gift is doing more than I could ever do as just a man this is something that comes from, you know, a divine, divinely yeah. it comes to me. And I've been able to touch lives and change lives. And in that way, maybe it helps me to realize that my life has meaning and that, you know, everything that I have done in my life was for a reason. There was a purpose for me being at 9-11. There was a purpose to me, mm-hmm. you know, at 12 years old, starting, you know, the, in the theaters in New York and being so uh, attracted to music when I was a little, you know, when I was, when I was a baby. All of my life has meaning. All of my life yeah. is connected to today, even though I've taken some dark roads just like everyone else <laughs> you know i've been down the dark roads i've yeah. been you know if i fought and i've scratched and i've survived but that's what we all have to do you know life isn't easy you know it's a struggle mm-hmm. and you know it's like the, the buddha <laughs> the, the buddha say you know life is suffering so you know go through it happily but don't add suffering to suffering by trying to you know being sorry for everything that you think is your fault or everything that you think you've you've done just just be centered and be the best person that you can be live your best life mm-hmm. and that's that's all we're expected to do and when we live our best life when we're true to ourselves then Everything else falls into place. Even in the Big Bang, how we were all created and all that in the cosmos, there seems to be this chaos. But in chaos, there is a plan. And I think what you've done, how you've inspired people, how you keep doing this work, what do you see your future? I mean, what's the future of you? I want to continue 
being the best person that I can be. I want to continue to share my gift of music. I'm hoping and I pray that I, I remain an artist that people will listen to. And I just I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to go as far as I can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, musically, I want to um, I want to be able to connect with what's happening in the world and find ways to enhance the positive in the world, enhance the positive messages mm-hmm. through music. Yeah, I'm not by any means an old guy. I'm, no, you know, you're a young I'm, guy. I think I'm in my prime musically, you know, and and I want I want to get out and just work. Yeah, no. not, the first thing I want to do is actually just get out and sing, get out and get in front of an audience and get the energy from the people that you know. I love my audience, and my mm-hmm. audience gives me so much love, and I get so much from my audience that you know it's um, something that I truly miss. Well, you know, let me ask. I get a lot. Of, I get a lot of letters on here in America, and they they said, you know, Rick. Why not you and Daniel Rodriguez go and just do like a kind of the, you heard of the three tenors. How about the two Latinos? And we're out there. All, <laughs> yeah. All yeah, the two Johnny, amigos. Two amigos. Yeah, we lost the other guy. It was at the border. <laughs> it's really sad. And, oh, Johnny boy, the pipes, the pipes. Are, and I'll have my son run in and go, what's wrong, Dad? What's wrong? Oh, my God. You know, yeah, what you, what is it, is, uh, are you ill? Yeah, are you ill? <laughs> You're making weird sounds coming no, out of you. Rick, the, the, the truth is that, you know, the truth is that your legacy, your history, uh, the things that you've done, you know, have been amazing. You've, you know, you've written so much for so many. You've, you've created so much, you know, for so many. Your ideas and your, your stories, your, you know, everything that you've done in your career, everything you've done in your life has been the legacy that you leave behind. And mm-hmm. um, for me... You know, I would love, I don't know if it's iPod ready, but but the truth of the matter is that I want to put together something and um, I can tell this story and, yeah. you know, the people who are listening who are interested in saying, hey, maybe this is something I would love to see as a show. I would love to see, I would love to see him sing and, and tell the story and, we and have, have Rick come on and, you know, have yeah. Rick come on and do a number. Oh, Danny uh, boy, but, the pipes. Yeah, the, we, yeah, I'm <laughs> practicing now. Yeah, you're a life of service singing. You've been a, you've been a policeman. You've done all these sort of things and and for me you're a puerto rican so you know something you got the best food in the world lechong i mean incredible and then, uh, of course, Bianda, from my English-speaking listener, is not nasty. It's, a, it's, a, it's an expression for food. No, okay? <laughs> I just want to let people know right now. I remember seeing a, a, news, a news thing about a lady who was just turning like 104, and they said, what is your secret to life? And on her refrigerator, she said, eat bacon. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, you know, if, if Oscar Mayer doesn't sponsor this show after that sentence, I don't know what will. <laughs> So, Daniel Rodriguez, so great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on Neher in America. Think about the people that survived 9-11, and you're a survivor, and you're a thriver. Thank you for coming on the show on Neher right, in America. Thank you. And listen, I just want to tell your listeners, next week is the 19th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And just take a moment out to remember those who have passed, but don't forget to remember those who are dying every day from this pandemic. You know, yeah. we are all in this together, and we all need to stay strong and unite. And wear your mask. This, so. Yeah, wear the mask, folks. Not a bad thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. God bless you, brother. God bless Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Whippa! <laughs> You're listening to the Naharan America podcast, bringing you America before it's over.